This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WNBC. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Well, fresh off his victory in Iowa, former New Yorker Donald Trump is going to court for the damages phase of his trial with E. Jean Carroll. As most of you know, E. Jean Carroll sued Trump and won, and now it's going to be up to a jury to determine the damages. Congratulations if you are the type of person that likes to avoid jury duty, because this trial, this Carroll versus Trump trial, has now given you a brand new excuse to avoid jury duty. Let me explain. So far, nine jurors were selected yesterday in the trial to determine what damages Trump owes E. Jean Carroll, the writer he was found liable last year of defaming and sexually abusing. President Trump flew in from Iowa to attend the opening day of the trial in New York before departing yesterday afternoon to hold a rally in New Hampshire. As the jury pool was being surveyed, the presiding judge asked whether anyone believed the 2020 election was stolen. Two prospective jurors said yes and ultimately were not selected. Now, I have been very clear. I don't believe that the 2020 election was stolen. That being said, there are a lot of Americans that do. It is a common political belief. It's as common as someone who might believe that uh, Martin Luther King or John F. Kennedy was killed as a result of a conspiracy. We'll get into the Martin Luther King assassination in a bit, folks. So I have a big problem with jurors being dismissed because they believe the 2020 election was stolen, because essentially an overwhelming majority of Trump supporters do believe that the 2020 election was stolen. So by screening out jurors based on this question, you're basically in New York, which is heavily liberal anyway, you're screening out anyone that's likely a Trump supporter. And I have a big problem with that. I don't think that's appropriate at all. I'll be curious to see if that comes up as an appellate issue. The good news is though, now you know what to say if you want to get out of jury duty. Beam me up. To be continued. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WNBC. Local Spotlight. Good morning. 
101. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. If there is one overarching thing that I believe in, it's free speech. I support any sort of speech, whether it's stuff that I believe in, whether it's stuff that I don't believe in. However, I really, once again, must take issue with the anti-Israel demonstrators that were protesting in Manhattan yesterday demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. Now, I have no problem with them demanding a ceasefire. Here's what I have a problem with. They went to Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and targeted this respected hospital for cancer patients over its alleged complicity in genocide. Here's a little bit of what you heard if you were at Memorial Sloan Kettering yesterday. I have known many people with cancer, serious forms of cancer, that have gone to Sloan for treatment. It is not only an emotionally very taxing time for them, forgetting about all the physical difficulty that comes with getting cancer treatment, which in some cases can be incredibly debilitating, but it's incredibly emotionally taxing for the families as well. So these patients were receiving treatment at this Upper East Side Hospital and listening to this. So you have someone in the crowd beating a drum as scores chant, MSK, shame on you, you support genocide too. The demonstrators actually took time during the event, which was advertised as a flood Manhattan for Gaza MLK Day March for Healthcare, to berate those at the cancer center, which is also a pediatric hospital. This is absolutely incredible. The protesters were shouting, shame, 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 for someone that would take people that are going through some of the most difficult times of their lives and force them to deal with scores of protesters telling them they're somehow complicit in genocide. This is just awful. I don't know what's worse, doing this to cancer patients or doing this to sick children. What did they have to do with what's going on in the Middle East? Shame on you. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Governor Kathy Hochul unveiled her $233 billion executive budget proposal yesterday that closes a $4.3 billion deficit that the state faced. And if that sounds like a lot, it is. This spending plan, which covers fiscal year 2025, would be the largest budget in state history. Now, there was a lot of discussion about Medicaid, a lot of discussion about migrants, which did come as music to the ears of New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Here was Kathy Hochul explaining why the state needs to invest in helping out New York City. Companies won't do business in New York if there are thousands of people sleeping on the streets or the quality of life is dramatically impacted because the city is forced to cut essential services. We must support the city of New York in this moment to avoid these disastrous effects. 
One of the things that I give her credit, though, for doing, she is proposing smaller increases to the state budget when it comes to education. And I want to emphasize that. She is saying smaller increases. These budgets are still going to be increased. They're just not going to be increased as much as they've been previously. And Hochul was adamant that smaller increases to the state budget this year do not amount to cuts, even if she said that some people will make that argument. Now, that is probably going to be one of the biggest budget fights this year. But if you look at it, she's exactly right. Hochul, after three years of record school aid hikes, announced yesterday that some of the wealthier school districts will get less aid than the current year. And she also has a proposal to end longtime hold harmless practice that protected schools and politicians but forced unsustainable spending. That's according to her budget chief. And many of these districts, these wealthier school districts, likely already spend over $35,000 per student. Now, I'm all for investing in education, but we are investing in education. I don't think the solution to the educational problems in this state is to continue throwing money at them. So I think uh, some of this budget is a step in the right direction. Obviously, this is just a starting point. We'll see what the state legislature does once they get their teeth into this. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. We've spoken frequently on this program and in these commentaries about Deputy Mayor Philip Banks, Deputy Mayor for Public Safety. He and his brother David, who's the school's chancellor, are two of the most powerful people in New York City. And I like a lot of the things that David Banks has done as school's chancellor. And I got to meet their other brother recently. Seems like a great guy. However, there was a very interesting article in City and State over the weekend, and they went through the history of these public safety briefings that Philip Banks is doing or is supposedly doing. You see, on February 24th, 2023, the Adams administration launched weekly Friday public safety briefings featuring the deputy mayor for public safety, Phil Banks, to talk with New Yorkers about continuing efforts to protect those who live, work, and visit New York City. At least that's how it was built. The briefings would happen every week. That's what the mayor's office said, and New Yorkers would have a chance to submit questions in advance and hear from Deputy Mayor Banks. They would not only hear from him, but the police commissioner, the fire commissioner, the correction commissioner, and the sanitation commissioner, among others. The only problem, after about five months, Banks started attending only about once per month, and the briefings themselves happened weekly for only about six months. Then, this fall, we didn't get one for three months in a row. Banks seemed to dislike taking press questions. We've chronicled some of the sarcastic remarks he gives to reporters when they ask him questions. There was a weird moment at his final briefing in 2023 we played for you when he called reporters asking questions the clown hour. In response to an inquiry about Banks's accumulating absences, a City Hall spokesperson said the administration has come up with innovative ways to keep New Yorkers informed about our initiatives from across the city's public safety apparatus that have helped drive down overall crime and violent crime with double-digit decreases in homicides and shootings. That's what the City Hall folks said. Now, that's all fine, but if that's the case, why would they have been promising these weekly briefings to begin with if they were not going to stick with them or provide a reason when they stopped doing them 
as to why they stopped. To me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I'm wondering why and when Deputy Mayor Banks just got tired of this. Beam me up! To be continued.